This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. David is talking to Israel about great troubles in life. And he was in great trouble and he's telling Israel this, and he's telling Israel how he got out of his trouble. He says, I got out of my trouble by lifting my eyes to the hills. That was showing what he did with his eyes. David felt like this, looking at himself, looking at the trouble he's in, dropping his head in discouragement, and instead of that, David gets out of this by lifting his eyes up. He lifts his eyes up and he looks at the hills. He says in verse one, Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. In other words, David lifts up his eyes and he looks at the hills, and what does he see? When he sees the hills, he sees the beauty of the sky as a backdrop of the hills. Maybe he sees the clouds moving across the sky. He sees grass growing on the hills that the wild goats were eating. As he sees that, he's reminded of the words, uh, he's reminded of the words, hamotzi lechem min haaretz, he said, of God who brings forth bread out of the dirt, out of the dirt. He sees that, he sees the growth on there. And then he sees the trees, he sees the trees on the hills, sturdy trees growing up. Wind is blowing, trunks that are not snapping off. You ever seen these big palm trees around here? Unbelievable, the strength of those palm trees with the weight at the top. And he sees the branches gracefully moving with the wind. He sees the green leaves on the branches that are being nourished by the trunk. He sees the birds. They're singing, they're soaring through the sky like they're playing with each other and they're landing perfectly on those moving, better than a fighter pilot can land on an aircraft carrier. And they're building their nests. And he looks at all that and he's engrossed in a wonder, in an amazement of God's great creation. And that's why he says in that verse, Psalm 121, one through two, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hill from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from, from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He looks at all this on the hills and he said, he made that. He made the sky, the birds, the trees. 
the grass, the, all that. He made that. That's where my help is coming from. And David could say, yes, I was in a great trouble, and I decided to go outside. And I lifted my eyes to the hills, and I saw God's creation, and I realized my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And we say with David, we say with David about my God, about my Jesus in Psalm 121.3, Psalm 123, my Jesus is he that keepeth me will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. And the Lord was keeping his disciples in the boat, and he wasn't slumbering, he wasn't sleeping, unaware. It was purposeful sleep. And he's going to help those disciples. It's just like the Lord was, only one thing he was doing, just delaying his help, that's all. He was delaying his help. Because faith cannot be built in the disciples unless the Lord delayed his help in the storm. And that's the key for us. The Lord does help us, yes, but it's just that the Lord delays his help for us because faith cannot be built in us unless the Lord delays his help in the storms of our lives. And what we see happening with the disciples here, again, it's a pattern. It's another pattern. First comes the trouble. Then comes the prayer. Then comes the delay of faith. Then comes the immediate evaluation of faith. And then comes the help from the trouble. And then comes praise. To God. That's what this passage is all about. The last step of praise to God is what we see in the life of Noah when he emerges from the ark, that terrible place he's been, in that great trouble of the storm and death of everybody all around his ark, bodies floating around the ark. And when Noah gets out of the ark of trouble, the first thing he does is he doesn't say, oh man, that was terrible. I want to get away from this as fast as I can. Whew, forget it. The first thing he does in Genesis 8.18, Genesis 8.18, Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Verse 20, Genesis 8.20, Genesis 8.20. And Noah's built, Noah built an ark unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar and the Lord smelled a sweet savor. That's what he did. But back on the boat, the disciples are so desperate at this point. They're thinking, hey, we're, you know, look, you know, we're fishermen, we know fishing like the back, we know, yeah, but, but this, is over, this is too much for us now. It's too much. And so it says in verse 25, Matthew 8, 25, 8, 25, his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, we perish. That picture is interesting for us. It's very interesting because the disciples are in the boat in the storm and the Lord is in the boat in the storm. Their help is in the person of the Lord, is in the boat with them, Yet they wait until they're ready to perish before they go to the Lord and ask for help. And again, we can imagine that maybe the disciples are sitting there saying, a little storm piece of cake, boys. That's us. We're fishermen. We're expert fishermen. We know this lake like we know the back of our hand. No problem. No problem for us, the great fishermen. We're the boatmen here. So no need to wake the Lord up. We'll do this stuff ourselves. We'll guide the boat safely to the other side. He'll be so happy. And that's so much a picture of us. It's so much a picture of us. We can handle the problems just like the fishermen disciples. We think, I don't have to bother the Lord with this. I can do it. I can handle it. No problem, said Joshua and his men when those people who were his neighbors and he was called on to eliminate came to him, fooling him with the old clothes and the old wine and so forth. And said, oh, we come from a long place away. Make a treaty with us. Don't destroy us. 
Foolishly they did. And then the statement, they did not ask counsel from the mouth of the Lord. Oh, that can handle it. What do we need God for? Well, we, we, we're negotiators. Are you kidding? We're Jewish negotiators. We can do this business deal. And the storm gets worse for us, and we still don't have to pray because we're smarter than the average bear. We can handle it. The problem gets worse. We get frustrated. Someone comes along and says, have you prayed about it? That just irritates us. Storm gets worse till finally we pray. That's the picture of the disciples here in the boat. And that's why we're told in Luke 21, 16, Luke 21, 16, watch ye therefore and pray always. Pray over the big things in life. Pray over the small things in life. Pray over the small things before they become big things in life. Like the disciples, they should have gone to the Lord when the storm was just beginning and asked for his help. But there's nothing like a good, healthy, frightening experience to bring prayer out of a person. It says that, it, 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 just like it says in Psalm 50, verse 15, Psalm 50, verse 15, God says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, thou shalt glorify me. That is a very important promise for me, Psalm 50, verse 15. It's my prayer for those 4.4 million books changed that have been mailed out to Jewish people, that are being mailed out to Jewish people in the U.S. I get a lot of responses. I get a lot of responses, and I have answered very few of them, probably less than 1%, because I'm looking for the people who are really crying out with the words of Matthew 8.25, Matthew 8.25, Lord, save us, we perish. But based on this Psalm 50, verse 15, Psalm 15, verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble, I will answer thee. I will deliver thee. I know that there's going to be some in the storms of life who are going to be crying out, Lord Jesus, save me, I perish. And I'll never know about them. And that's fine. As a matter of fact, you'll notice there's no contact information in the book. No. I don't want readers to reach out to me. I want them to reach out to the Lord. There is an email address buried in the text. No one has contacted me from that email address. They've all Googled me and found me on Friendship with God. Because I don't want them to follow Tom Cantor. I want them to follow the Lord Jesus. I was talking last week with my friend, Rabbi Max, an Orthodox rabbi back east, and he keeps telling me, he says, what you have is Tom Cantor's religion, because I don't follow Judaism. You have Tom Cantor's religion. And I told him, I said, I want you to follow the Lord Jesus. I don't want you to follow me, because I told him, if you follow me, that's going to be a disaster. He says, wait, can you just say that again? <laughs> now, finally when the disciples are on the brink of capsizing, they come to the Lord and they say in verse 25, Lord, save us, we perish. Now, that is a very short prayer, and sometimes the most effective prayers are very short. But there's three very important elements in that prayer. First, they call Jesus Lord. They not only recognize that he is the Messiah, they recognize that Jesus is God. And they call Jesus God when that's what they were doing, when they said, Lord. The scripture is very clear when it says verses like Acts 2.21, Acts 2.21. It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And what might that name be? Jesus. Joel 2.32, Joel 2.32, Joel 2.32. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. And Romans 10, 13, Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whether you call it deliverance, salvation, 
whatever you call it, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. His name is Jesus. That means whoever calls on Jesus as God will be saved. That means whoever does not call on Jesus as God will not be saved. It's not enough to call on Jesus to be saved. He must be called on as God, as Lord, to be saved. Even if a person believes he is God, he must call on Jesus as God to be saved. And that's the first element of what they said to Jesus. They called him Lord, Lord. Second element is that they said, save us. Again, short prayer, two words, save us. Their prayer was specific. Their prayer was definite. They didn't say, Lord, bless us. What does that mean? They were very, very specific. It's an example of how prayer should be, specific and definite, specific and definite. And the third element is that they said, we perish. That's a confession of their condition. Two criteria for anybody who comes to God. Uh, Isaiah 55.1, Isaiah 55.1, two criteria. Ho, oh, everyone that is thirsty. Person has gotta be thirsty to a point where he says, if I don't get God, I'm gonna die. Thirsty. Come ye, buy wine and milk without money. Second criteria, without money. No good works to exchange for God's favor. Without money. No hope in themselves, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1.9, 2 Corinthians 1.9. We had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises the dead. The disciples said, we perish. They were saying, we are helpless against the storm. They're saying, the fishermen can't do it. The sailors can't do it. They had abandoned their previous, we can handle the storm ourselves. That position's gone. They're desperate. Just like King Jehoshaphat, just like King Jehoshaphat, who saw a great army of Syrians coming to him, against him, and his prayer was, 2 Chronicles 12, 12, 2012, 2 Chronicles 2012. He says, we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. See, the prayer of Jehoshaphat is the same as we perish. And then when the disciples did call out to him, Lord, save us, we perish, then it says, the Lord rose up, just like what God says in this verse in, in Isaiah 33.10, Isaiah 33.10, where God is emphasizing the time now. So there was the delay, now there's the now. There was the delay, now there's the now, he says in Isaiah 33.10. Now will I rise, saith the Lord. Now will I be exalted. Now will I lift up myself. And that's what happened. So happened what they saw with the Lord. Then he arose in Matthew 8.26, Matthew 8.26. Then he arose. That was Isaiah 33.10. That was their moment. Now will I rise. Now will I be exalted. Now will I lift up myself. But that did not happen until the disciples cried out, Lord, save us, we perish. And that's a picture for us. We will not know God in the storm helping us until we cried out in prayer, then we'll see the Matthew 8, 26, then he arose. And that will be for us, after a delay, the moment of now will I rise, now will I be exalted, now will I lift up myself. After we pray, as it says in James 4, 2, James 4, 2, you have not because you ask not. And then the Lord says to them in verse 26, he saith unto them, why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. 
The sequence of events there is very important to notice. The sequence of events was first the Lord says to them, while he's lying down before he even gets up, why are you fearful? Oh, you have little faith. Then, verse 26, then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. This is before he got up. Before he got up, he says to the disciples, lying down, he says, why are you fearful? Oh, you little faith. And then he gets up and he rebukes the storm. It shows that the Lord addresses the more serious problem first and then went to the less serious problem. The most serious problem was not the storm. The most serious problem was the lack of faith and the fearfulness in the disciples. And that shows the disconnect between the Lord and the disciples or the disconnect between us and the Lord. The disciples thought the most serious problem is the storm. It needs to be addressed immediately. But for Lord, but for the Lord, the most serious problem was their lack of faith, and the storm was secondary to that. There were two storms going on. There was the outer storm outside the disciples, that's the sea storm, and there was the inner storm, the soul storm, going on inside the disciples. And the Lord gives two rebukes. Two rebukes come from the Lord. The first rebuke he gives to the soul storm inside the disciples and the second rebuke the Lord gives to the sea storm outside the disciples. That's important for us because it's an important issue for us. It's not the problem, it's not the trouble that we face that's the most important issue, but it's our response to that trouble. That's the, the, whether or not there's gonna be a response to the trouble that, that will be the response of faith or no faith. And, and, and so he calls his disciples, in verse 26, O ye of little faith. That shows us there is such a thing as little faith or no faith in that he says, O ye of little faith. There is also the condition of no faith, which is what Moses said in Deuteronomy 32.20. Deuteronomy 32.20. He said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. So there's a condition of no faith. There's weak faith, it's faith, it's faith, it's still there, it's weak faith, but it's weak. It says in Romans 14.1, Romans 14.1, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Talks about it, it's just we should help those who have weak faith. Then there's the condition of great faith, great faith. This is the Syrophoenician woman who comes and says, Lord, you know, help, I need help. And he says, I, I can't give you help because the bread's for the children and you know. And she says, oh, yeah, that's right, Lord, but the crumbs fall off the table, and, and the dogs, call her a dog, dogs uh, eat the crumbs, and, and he responds in Matthew 15, 28, Matthew 15, 28, Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee as thou wilt. Her daughter was made whole that, uh, from that very hour. That's great faith, that's great faith. Then there's strong faith, strong faith, talking about Abraham, when God t- told Abraham, I know you're 99 years old, I know your, your wife is 90 years old, I, I know your, your, your physical condition, but uh, you're gonna have a baby, you're gonna have a child, and it's gonna be a father of many nations, I'm changing your name over there. When he heard that, it says in Romans 4.20, Romans 4.20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He had strong faith. And then there's victorious faith, victorious faith. It says in 1 John 5.4, 1 John 5, 4, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. That's victorious faith. And then there's increasing faith. There's increasing faith. That's what the disciples wanted in Luke 17, 5. Luke 17, 5, the apostles, rather. 
the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. There was increasing faith. But what the Lord wanted to see in these disciples was not weak faith. He wanted to see strong faith. He wanted to see a faith that, that could see through the storm to the peaceful shore that they were going to land on on the other side. And that's in our lives too. God wants us to see through the storms. These storms are temporary. To see through the, through the storm to the peaceful landing. Now the Lord rebukes. He rebukes the sea and the waves. After he's rebuked them, he rebukes them in verse 26. Verse 26, Matthew 8, 26. He saith unto them, why are you fearful of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So he arises and he rebukes the winds, he rebukes the sea, just like it says in Psalm 78, 65. Psalm 78, 65. Then the Lord awaked as one out of sleep and like a mighty man that shouteth by reason of wine. Now normally, after a storm, there's a time of the post-storm turbulence when things are calming down. But when the Lord rebuked the wind and the sea, we skip that. Now there's just a perfect calmness on the sea. And the disciples are in a state of shock, amazement. They are astounded at what they see. The word is marveled in verse 27, in Matthew 8, 27. But the men marveled, saying, what manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? What's going on here? Their rescue has now turned to admiration and praise of the Lord. Just like that one leper, that one leper out of the 10 in Luke 17, 12, Luke 17, 12, he had entered into a certain village and there met him 10 men that were lepers which stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said unto them, go show thyself to the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. These disciples, these disciples are now, they're not saying, oh man, that's a close one. Boy, let's keep him around. They weren't saying that. They were now turning back and doing what this leopard is doing. They were glorifying God. What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the waves obey him? It was not just gratitude on the part of the rescued disciples, though they were grateful. They were grateful to the Lord for saving them. It was not just thankfulness on the part of the rescued disciples, but they were thankful that the Lord had, had saved them. It was praise. It was adoration. It's the place where our rescue, our deliverance should bring us to, to an admiration of the Lord Jesus, to a praise of the Lord Jesus with a what manner of man is this statement? The question, what manner of man is this? It leads to the question that was that was posed in Proverbs 30, verse 4. Proverbs 30, verse 4. Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who's that? That's the Lord Jesus. Who has gathered the wind in his fist? What did we just see? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? What did we just see? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? What is his son's name, if thou canst tell? What manner of man is this? What manner of God is this who would become a man to suffer and die for our sins. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, this uh, recorded history that you've given to us. Lord, and we pray that uh, we would pass the lab courses. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.